Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Lingering, shivering, simmering, and splintering. These are the words DJ Arsene Versailles used to illustrate what it felt like when his mother, Florcy Yves Versailles, died of COVID-19 in May of 2020. These words are remarkable in that they aren't commonly used to describe grief, and yet they are supremely apt. I'm recording this introduction on Thursday, April 7th, 2022, a day when the death toll from COVID-19 in the U.S. just surpassed 975,000. Globally, there have been over 6 million deaths. It's easy sometimes for these numbers, especially as they grow larger, to lose meaning but they don't lose meaning for the family, friends, and community members left behind. What does it mean to have a parent, a sibling, a partner, or anyone else in your circle die of a disease that has been in the news every day for over two years? And what does it mean when that disease starts to not be in the news? For DJ, the shivering, simmering, and splintering grief he experienced when his mom died was and continues to be layered as most grief is. And some of these layers are specific, specific to his mom being a black woman who died during a pandemic of a disease that has come to be so much more than just a medical diagnosis. DJ's mom was committed to social justice, and she worked hard to help the people in her community of the Back Bay of Boston to have housing and food security. This activism inspired DJ to do similar work in the wake of her death. He met Kristen Urquiza, the founder of Marked by COVID, a grassroots organization dedicated to promoting accountability, amplifying the voices of those most impacted by COVID, and supporting survivors and those who are grieving. They are also working to get a national COVID Memorial Day legislated at the state and national level. Through this work, DJ found not only an outlet for his drive to ensure that we as a country honor those who have died of COVID, but also a community to support him and his grief. DJ, thank you for making time today to have this conversation with me for Grief Out Loud. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and your time. You know, I found my way to you in sort of a investigative way, right? I was looking into organizations and people that are working to bring attention and awareness to the grief of those who have had someone die of COVID-19. And I came across your name and an interview that you had done on radio station back east talking about your mom, Florcy, who died of COVID-19 back in May of 2020. And since I found you that way, I also have like read a little bit more of, you know, you've written quite a bit about your mom and your experience. And the thing that really stood out to me is you talked a lot about how much she loves and loved her hometown, the Back Bay of Boston, and um, that she did so much work in the realm of social justice. And I'm wondering, like, what other ways are you hoping that your mom will be remembered? But I want I want my mom to be remembered 
just for, you know, the love and respect that she had for, for other people. I mean, when you approach my mom, I mean, she just lights up the room. Her, her smile just radiates. And she was such a beloved mother, sister, aunt. And she was, she was loved by many, many people who wanted to help help others reach, reach their full potential and as, as she's done with me as as well and really really had a positive and, and traumatic impact in, in this community of the back bay of boston massachusetts but anywhere that she has lived uh, she's she lived in florida new york city montreal haiti she could talk to you about anything for hours and the conversation will just be amazing. So it seems like your mom, no matter where she lived, was able to create community around her. And then, you know, she died in May of 2020 and the pandemic hit the U.S. on the East Coast, particularly like February, March. And so there were quite a few months where you weren't able to visit her. She was in a facility. And I wondered you know, we heard a lot of stories on the news of how people stayed in touch, but how did you stay connected to your mom during the, that time of those restrictions? So, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to stay in touch with my mother during the time frame from the last time I saw my mom, January 1st, 2020, New Year's Day, up until when she passed. But there were a lot of complications and, and uh, circumstances uh, because of that, uh, not just with the COVID restrictions and transportation restrictions, but but it was uh, difficult uh, on my mom's end because she didn't have a phone in the nursing home that she was at, so it was so it would have been difficult to talk to her that way, and family member would have had been present to you know get my mom to talk to me. That was definitely difficult that I didn't have that communication with her. So how did you get the news then that she was diagnosed with COVID-19 and, and then had died? My, I was in communication with my uncle at times through, throughout the last few months preceding her, her passing. And a week before my mom had passed away, I learned that she had stopped eating and, and drinking and just had shut down. And I knew that that was, that was a horrible, horrible sign. The next morning, she passed away in the, in the middle, middle of the night. It was 1.16 in the morning. My uncle had told me that he had received a phone call. And he called me at 9.30 in the morning, Saturday. And that was just devastating. There were, there were a lot of ranges of emotion. I felt paralyzed. I mean, a lot of thoughts and emotions just running running through me uh, because she meant the world to me. So a lot of just a cascade of emotions, of shock. And I know you've written, you wrote about grief being bewildering, shivering, s- simmering, and splintering. And I, uh, those are words I don't usually hear associated with grief. They make so much sense once I, when I read them, but I wonder how you relate to them in this moment. Yeah, I, I relate. I relate to them in this in this moment. The, sh- the shimmering feeling is, well, in my case, like you know, you just start to have like the what ifs and 
you know, just a level of responsibility, I did feel there was a lot that was going on uh, across the different hospitals, nursing homes, rehabilitation centers that she was in and out of where the level of care could have been better, thinking about it, wondering what could have been, you know, had she received, you know, what I, what I feel like was just better, better care, more, more attention. You know, I know we're going to talk more about kind of the work that you're doing in the realm of ag- advocacy for bringing more attention to people who have had someone die of COVID-19 and, and the grief involved in that. And I wonder in that work with other people that you've talked with who have had someone die of COVID-19, how, how does that sense of like this could have been prevented? Is that a common thing that comes up for folks? It, it is a common thing that comes up, especially learning that COVID-19 and what the pandemic was going to become and how, how deadly it was and that there just was not enough done to, you know, save the amount of lives that, that we have lost and just uh, catastrophe. And with marked by COVID, that's, that's one of our objectives is, is bringing accountability and responsibility on, on behalf of the government you know, first, first acknowledging that they that they were wrong and knowing what the outcome is going to become and just not not doing enough uh, to prevent that. And, and I know I know I could speak for you know all of the marked by COVID uh, community members that all of our loved ones should still be here today. Can you talk a little bit about marked by COVID for listeners who aren't you know familiar with the organization? Yes, marked by COVID is a national grassroots organization founded by Kristen Arquiza and Christine Keeves. Kristen Arquiza, co-founder and co-executive, had lost her father to COVID. I first listened to Kristen Arquiza at the Democratic National Convention. She had spoken of, of the story of her father's passing and, and about marked by COVID. And I remember just feeling connected right away. And I, I just had a feeling that we were going to be connected somehow down the road. And, and then I remember filling out my, my story and, and writing about my mom and how she passed away on a marked by COVID website. And, and then a few months later, I received an email from Kristen Akiza, and she invited me to the weekly Zoom meetings we have on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. I joined. This was on March 11th of 2021, and and, that, and the rest was uh, history. Felt felt connected, and I had a community of members to grieve with because I I felt like I didn't I didn't have that chance to really grieve. It, it just had happened. It happened so so fast, and it was just still sinking in. I hold a lot of emotions inside too. That's the simmering part. So that that makes it yeah, that makes it uh, that makes it worse when you when you hold it inside, because um, one day it could just just all all come out at, at once. So for me, in the work that I do at Dougie Center, facilitating peer grief support groups, we hear over and over again how powerful and meaningful and important it is to be able to come into a room, whether it's a Zoom room or a in person room. And not be the only one who's grieving, you know, to have that connection with people, even if 
who died and how they died is very, can be very different. The relationship we have with the person can be really different, but just that like core understanding of not feeling so alone in grief. And, and then we also have groups that are specific for age ranges, specific for who died, specific for how the person died. And I wonder what it's been like for you to be with other people who have all had someone die of COVID-19 and in that, like what stands out to you is perhaps being uh, unique or remarkable about having had someone die in that way versus other ways that people die. Yeah, I would say just just feeling a part of a family and able to you know share our thoughts and, and just just having that support support system on top of feeling a part of a family and and community and talk talk about how one another are, are doing. So just, you know, just care, care and concern. Uh, and, and I feel like that, that helps all of us just get through daily life, which is, which isn't easy. And just, just feeling a part of what we're trying to a- accomplish and, and getting legislators to sign on to have a COVID Remembrance Day to memorialize and remember all of the lives lost because every every life is is precious and should be remembered every every legacy and unfortunately there there weren't a lot of family members that were able to have the proper funeral and burial services uh, with with their loved ones just because of the circumstance of the pandemic and so as you're talking, it seems like there's kind of two forces coming together in this one, just a collective need to honor and recognize the the impact globally. We're at 6 million people who have died. We're just past the 1 million mark of people who have died in the U.S. of COVID-19. So wanting that collective honoring of those people's lives and the impact of their deaths. But then also the idea that as individuals and as families, people weren't able to honor and memorialize the lives of their people who died in the way they would have if the pandemic circumstances weren't in place. And so those coming together just speaks to that drive to, yeah, honor. And, you know, as we talked about at the beginning of like, just wanting to remember your mom and make sure other people know the impact that she had on you and and on the world as well. And can you talk a little bit more about the specific initiative to get that uh, National Day of Remembrance legislated? So we have a core group of marked by COVID members and uh, specific, specifically Massachusetts. Uh, we have Ms. Jennifer Ritz-Sullivan, who's our COVID justice leader for Massachusetts. And, and I had come across Jennifer in that first marked by COVID meeting last year. She tragically uh, lost, lost her mother to the pandemic. I've worked with her with sending sending letters to legislators to get them signed on to the bill to have COVID uh, Memorial Day for Massachusetts, but, but we're also work, working on it nationally. And I know Senator Warren and Senator Markey introduced the resolution uh, to Senate. So that's been a work in in progress uh, to get that bill established, and you know that there has been frustration just with with the length that it's taken in getting that. But we're ho- we're hoping to to get the bill 
established sooner rather than later. And for you personally, DJ, what's your sense of how not being able to hold, you know, the memorial service you wanted to for your mom, how has that shaped uh, the grief that you've experienced since she died? Yeah, it's, it's definitely shaped the grief even even more. I mean, my, my family always wanted a private ceremony, but I, I would I would have loved, you know, a few a few more close friends family members to have been able to attend, but because of the, the restrictions with the number of attendees that were allowed, there, there was there was a limit to who could attend. So that was difficult. You've also written quite a bit, DJ, about the idea that, and you've, you kind of alluded to this at the beginning, of the, the circumstances for your mom in terms of the quality of medical care that she received. And the idea that, you know, current and historical racism in the medical arena played a role in that. And I wondered if you could talk a bit about that. Yes, I, I definitely feel that that played a huge role. And that, that goes back even to 20, 2012 when my mom's self really, really took a turn for the worst me, me and my mom were at Spain. My mom was in the middle of a medical emergency, and and I remember the police officers they they weren't taking that seriously. And, and one of the police officers that I remember them saying was was get up and, and act and walk out like a lady and threatening to arrest my mom for trespassing because the bank was was closed and, and she was getting agitated and upset and sad all, all at once and then she she was in the ICU by by night's end and a few days later suffered two cardiac arrests a, a week before Thanksgiving and miraculously survived survived those and the doctor doctors said that my mom wasn't going to make it I definitely think thank God and, and my my mom definitely had had the will to to survive and so that experience back in 2012 of watching your mom not get the medical assistance and care she needed when she was having an event at the bank. And then did it seem like that similar lack of care also played a role in her death in 2020? Yes, definitely. And, and just not not having the, you know, this, just the same level of care, I felt like just based, based on her, her, her race and ethnicity compared to others as well. So I, I definitely felt that that played a role not having that access to to that care to better her health and prolong her life, perhaps. What do you wish people most understood about the fact that your mom died of COVID-19 and what that's meant for you? I want people to remember that my, my mom should should still be here today and and as well as our other community members family members and loved ones that they they all should be here and, and all the other lives that were lost if, if there was you know just act, action taken to you know prevent this mass death and, and tragedy and making sure the healthcare work, workers nurses doctors were prepared to to save a lot of lives that adds to the grief 
refinanced it. You know, we're talking in March of 2022, so it's an anniversary time in a sense, right? Because the WHO, World Health Organization, declared COVID, you know, an official pandemic in March of 2020. And I, what's coming up for you around this time of year? So coming up for me around this time of year, well, I was, I was furloughed because of the pandemic. So I was temporarily laid off at my job. I was a records management specialist for a international law firm that affected me there financially and you know, emotionally, mentally, and, and just wonder how I was going to get by in, in those seven months that I was out of work from April 1st of 2020 to November 1st of 2020. I did, I did end up going, going back, which was great. And I, I, I also feel that, you know, to understand the scope of these deaths, like we're thinking of, of the numbers, but, but not sort of the, the personal experiences, not in the life long lasting impacts that they will cause in the, you know, every day I know, you know, we're seeing more deaths to COVID. It's just adds to the, to the grief and frustration. Every, every life is precious and, and valuable. We, we all want to live a long time and make, and make the most of our, of our lives. So it's, it just adds to that devastation when you feel lives were taken away and that shouldn't have been the case. I've talked with some other folks who have had someone die of COVID-19 and how the ebb and flow of public health mandates and mask mandates and things like that, that that plays a role in their grief as well. And it affects people very differently. And I wonder how that is for you, especially as we move into the spring of 2022, where there's kind of a large scale shift away from you know, mass mandates and other restrictions that have been in place for the last two years and kind of moving into a different mindset phase of, of interacting with the pandemic and just wondering what that brings up for you. It, it just feels, you know, some folks want, you know, want to create return to this, you know, normal, but I can speak for myself and other members, you know, they'll, they'll never be, be a normal for, for us and, our families for what we went through uh, this this COVID pandemic. You know, it's been it's been historic and, and life changing. Uh, I mean, it's, it's changed our way of life going forward. It it is very difficult to see how how mandates have been lifted and and, and relaxed, and and you just feel like some are just not taking the pandemic seriously, and we're still we're still in the pandemic and it's difficult seeing the folks that that don't have masks and, and not knowing it just feels like folks are aren't having that in their minds you know with this pandemic it it seems like it it's going to be something that we're going to be dealing with for for a little bit like we have flu season so it seems like it's on two levels there's the tangible piece of, you know, seeing people not wear masks or mandates being lifted and like the worry and concern that can bring up. But then there's also the symbolic piece of maybe watching the the country or your community sort of 
go back to normal, quote unquote, or move forward and how when you're grieving, it can feel so left behind in that and unseen and unacknowledged in the fact that the grief creates a circumstance where there is no going back to normal. There's just living into this new, quote unquote, abnormal normal. (laughs) I imagine that can really exacerbate that sense of disconnection and loneliness and grief when uh, it seems like the rest of the the world is moving in a different direction. Definitely, because it you know people people are dying and, and becoming disabled from long COVID, and it just feels like it's going to get swept under the rug and forgotten about and not brought to the forefront. And, and I know other marked by COVID community members feel just that our losses have been politicized, and debated, and, and our grief has been disenfranchised, and it's just insulting to see politicians and government acknowledging the loss through photo ops and just feeling like I feel like our intelligence is is just being insulted and disrespected, you know, just not for us personally, respectively, but also on behalf of our family members. Like people are seeing it through numbers but not as individuals. Uh, so that's that's definitely, you know, very uh, you know, d- disappointing and discouraging and frustrating. So to name a few words. What do you think your mom would have to say or think about the advocacy work that you are doing with Marked by COVID? Yeah, I feel I feel my mom was was smiling from from heaven and and proud of the work that I'm doing. And she she was my inspiration with the advocacy work that she did on her end and in this community and establishing affordable housing and in the building of the 10 city apartment complex that took years to get approved to to build and, and being a huge part of that work and her activism continues to live through me and my work with marked by COVID. For listeners who would like to get involved with Marked by COVID and the advocacy work that you all are doing to create a national day of remembrance, what what's one way someone could get connected with you all? So one, one way that someone could get connected with us all is through our COVID memorial website, www.covidmemorialday.org. And they can take action by sending emails to their legislators respectively through through the website and also sharing it with, with others and spreading the word and encouraging others to take action. That's that's a great way to you know be in solidarity with us and, and be a be an ally as well. That would be deeply appreciated for those that want to get involved with, with our work. Well, I appreciate that. And listeners, I'll put a link to uh, the website in the show notes, as I always do. And DJ, just, yeah, thank you for the work that you're doing, for the writing that you've put out in the world about your mom and about your grief and for your, you know, your willingness to come on Grief Out Loud and and share about your experience. I really, uh, yeah, just grateful for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and, and giving me this this space and to talk about my mom and, and our story and marked by COVID and, and what we're trying to accomplish. And, and I definitely thank all the listeners for taking time of their day and, and listening and 
and hope that uh, they can become involved and helping us with our, our work. Well, thank you again, DJ and, and listeners out there. I thank you each and every time for being part of the community, for sharing the show with people who you think might be helped or supported in some way by listening to an episode. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. That's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. That's also our website where you can find all of the past episodes of Grief Out Loud, all of our free and downloadable tip sheets and activity sheets, as well as information about our local peer grief support group programming. So thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Grief Out Loud is sponsored in part by the Chester Stephan Endowment Fund. 